Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Monday, September 11th, 2023, the 964th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So apologies for missing Thursday and Friday. You probably know that I was down in Cocoa Beach, Florida with the Badlands Media crew having our conference, the Great American Restoration Tour number two. And it was a great time, of course, seeing my friends who I usually only see online. And of course, all the supporters of Badlands Media 
who attend the conference. Always great meeting people out there, people who are fans of this show. Thank you all so much for your support. Thank you for coming to GART. And thank you for all your kind words and the gifts. All of it is very much appreciated. Your support is indeed a blessing. We could not do it without you. And it is so nice to meet all the people who provide so much support and encouragement in person. Now, as much fun as we had doing the Badlands thing this weekend, Donald Trump had a little fun with the Badlands thing this weekend, too. From Sioux Falls to Rapid City, from the Black Hills to the Badlands, right at the Badlands, explain those Badlands. That's a hell of a name. I live in the Badlands. So that was Donald Trump speaking Friday evening at the South Dakota GOP convention, where he was endorsed by South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, who never actually locked down her state, unlike Ron DeSantis. Now, was Donald Trump talking about Badlands Media? Hey, I don't know. But we were having a conference this weekend, and he did say it a bunch of times. He didn't do it with the Black Hills. But either way, it's okay. We're just having fun here. Now, as you probably understand, most of us as members of Badlands Media are of the mind that the central working theory of Badlands founder John Harold, a.k.a. Patel Patriot, is the theory of devolution. And most of us, to some degree, think that John is right. Something is happening behind the scenes. And that thing has a structure to it and a plan to it. It is well documented. That theory continues to map onto reality as it emerges and has an explanatory quality for the things that we are seeing in the world. Things that were we to observe them without considering devolution would make very, very little sense. And as time has progressed over the last few years of this emerging dystopia under the fake and illegitimate president, we have more and more of those events that are pretty much completely unexplainable without considering that there is indeed something else going on. And it's also becoming much easier to recognize those things. Now, to the standard issue villager, absolutely none of this is possible. It is all a deranged fever dream a conspiracy theory straight from the mind of the collective MAGAverse where everyone is absolutely nuts, so stupid, so deranged. This is why they're obsessed with Cheeto Jesus, the orange savior, Donald Trump. They're all in a cult. They're all in a cult. They're very, very emotional about the cult. They call us cultists all the time. They tell us that Trump created this very deadly vaccine. Because, of course, in their world, a president, in fact, makes vaccines and vaccines that come out while he is not president are still his responsibility and vaccines that he doesn't force anyone to take are still his responsibility because these people, of course, are liars and are ignoring all the obvious facts because they want to have someone to blame for their own personal decisions. Or they want to use this thing as a weapon to destroy Trump because none of their other tactics have worked. They always seem to forget, of course, that we were the people least likely to take it, even though we are supposedly the members of the cult. 
to these people, something going on behind the scenes with some structure and some form and some planning by Donald Trump is impossible. And everything they learn from the television and from mass media, that's reality. No matter how many times those sources of information lie to them, that's reality. They can spend three years around the intellectual kids table learning on censored social media platforms and their understanding of reality is reality. Everyone else is crazy. All of those people analyzing all the information rather than just that which they were allowed to see. Those are the crazy people who haven't considered other ideas. Those are the cultists. There is one reality and it is being shown to us on TV, printed in our newspapers and available on censored social media platforms. You see, because you can't censor reality, all the censors are doing is keeping out the dangerous disinformation. So these very, very smart people who took what they call Trump's vaccine still call us cultists, even though we didn't. And they think they must be right because we're always talking about this totally separate reality that we really believe exists. And of course, they know it can't exist because if it existed, then they would show it to us on TV. They would tell us about it, just like proof of election fraud. And if it's not on TV, that means it's not real because they couldn't keep something like that hidden. Not from these people. If anyone was going to know what was happening in the real world, it would be these people. They are the smartest, the best and brightest. They went to college and they're certainly smarter than Donald Trump and all his supporters. By definition, Trump and his supporters, by definition, are very stupid, very weak, very clueless, totally self-obsessed, narcissistic, very selfish. They don't care about others. They don't care about science. They don't care about data. They don't care about facts. They live in this whole separate world that just never even appears on TV and TV would have to show us if their world really existed, then the TV couldn't possibly avoid it. Now, they'll tell you this isn't true because they confirm that what the TV says is real by reading about it in the print media owned by the very same people who put out what's on TV and in studies that are funded by the very same people who put out what's on TV. And then they check with their respected peers and colleagues who also believe whatever's put out on TV and printed in the media and confirmed in those studies, all of which are funded by the same people. So there's our reality and there's their reality. And one of them must be false. One of them must always map onto the empirical observable reality and continue to do so over time. And the other one, of course, must be continually revised and edited and reinforced because otherwise it would be impossible to derive that understanding from the world. If all the sources of mass information, all the books, all the Internet, all of the colleges and college professors just disappeared in a moment, and all the knowledge contained in and derived from those sources simply vanished, there would still be a world out there, and we would have to figure out again how to navigate that world. How long would we attempt to support the world they believe in under those conditions? We don't need to kid ourselves. 
In order for them to perpetuate their belief system, they need it constantly reinforced. That's why we get all the propaganda. And that's why eventually they must censor people so that they can protect their ideas and the way they need the world to be viewed by as many people as possible. Because if the false reality they have prepared becomes no longer believable by anyone, then all justification for allowing them any control disappears with it. And that's the phase we find ourselves in. And it seems like they're getting a bit desperate about all of this because they are working overtime to revise the current reality in the collective understanding. Joe Biden versus Donald Trump is not going to work out well for the regime. Here's how things are going for the fake president, Joe Biden. There's a, my, my brother loves having there's famous lines from movies that he always quotes. You know, and one of them is there's, there's a movie about John Wayne, he's an Indian scout, and they're trying to get the, I think it was the Apache, one of the great tribes of America back on the reservation. And he's standing with the Union, so he's all on their, and they're on their horses and their saddles. And there's three or four Indians in headdresses and the Union soldiers. And the Union soldiers basically saying, the Indians, come with me, we'll take care of you, we'll be everything will be good. And the Indian scout, the Indian looks at John Wayne and points to the Union soldier and says, he's a lion dog-faced pony soldier. Well, there's a lot of lion dog-faced pony soldiers out there about, about global warming. But not anymore. All of a sudden, they all realize it, it's a problem. And there's nothing like seeing the light for, and uh, I see, I'm just following my orders here. Uh, staff, is there anybody haven't spoken to? Uh, uh, I'm calling on you. I'm calling on you. I said there are five questions. So Joe Biden is in Vietnam for the G20 summit. He somehow found himself explaining lying dog face pony soldiers. Then he said he's just following orders, tries to figure out which five media members he's supposed to call on. And when they begin shouting questions, he yells at them and tries to figure out from his staffers who he's actually supposed to talk to. Whose orders is Joe Biden following? Now, Trump has said countless times he is a Manchurian candidate. Certainly that's true. Certainly it's true that he was unelected. There is no way in the world that Joe Biden received anywhere near 81 million real lawful American votes. That's not possible. Now, maybe he is just making a self-deprecating joke about how thoroughly he is handled by his staffers. I think that's a rather charitable interpretation. I'm giving the fake president the benefit of the doubt here. That is not something to brag about. The reason they would be handling him like that is because he's incapable of doing it himself. Joe Biden, as quote unquote president, is unable to guide his own actions and navigate his own press conferences. He is also doing all that to make the claim that people no longer doubt the science of climate change. Everyone around Joe is on board with the climate change agenda. 
That's what the fake president is trying to communicate to the world. CNN summed up Joe Biden's trip to the G20 and Vietnam with five takeaways. And I just want to touch on some highlights here. He praised the G20 statement on Ukraine. Here's how CNN describes it. U.S. praises G20 statement on Ukraine, even if it's softer than hoped. The eventual compromise statement amounted to a coup for the summit's host, Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi, but still reflected a position far softer than those the United States and its Western allies have adopted individually. So a major BRICS nation, the second most populous nation in the world, gets its way and the evil twin faction of the United States gets nothing. Support for the quote unquote Ukraine war around the world is vanishing. All states must refrain from the threat or use of force to seek territorial acquisition. The declaration read without explicitly singling out Russia for its invasion. The document also stated opposition to the use of nuclear weapons and highlighted the economic effects of the war. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said the G20 statement includes a set of consequential paragraphs on the war in Ukraine. And from our perspective, it does a very good job of standing up for the principle that states cannot use force to seek territorial acquisition. That would be like a sign on the front of the convenience store that says, please don't steal our stuff. Still, the language differed from last year's G20 declaration, which stated, quote, most members strongly condemned the war in Ukraine. Russia, as a member of the G20, would have to agree on any consensus statement on Ukraine. Russia and China had resisted stronger language in the final statement, making any kind of agreement difficult. No G20 summit has concluded without a joint declaration of some type. Ukraine's foreign ministry spokesperson Oleg Nikolenko criticized the declaration. Ukraine is grateful to its partners who tried to include strong wording in the text, he wrote on Facebook. At the same time, the G20 has nothing to be proud of in the part about Russia's aggression against Ukraine. Obviously, the participation of the Ukrainian side would have allowed the participants to better understand the situation. The principle of nothing about Ukraine without Ukraine remains as key as ever. So Ukraine is not involved in these decisions and the global West who are supporting Ukraine didn't get their way because China and Russia and India said no. So how about that for the balance of power? Now, Putin and Xi did not bother attending their little summit. And in their absence, the fake president tried to pitch a new global regime plan as an alternative to China's Belt and Road. This should be understood as the global regime losing their ability to control geopolitical affairs. CNN writes the plans could potentially transform global trade and directly challenge China's own sprawling overseas development initiative known as the Belt and Road, which has poured billions of dollars into infrastructure projects each year. While the project will include building integrated infrastructure, the president said it was, quote, far from just laying tracks, end quote, speaking with a group of global leaders that included the UK, Japan and the UAE. It's about creating jobs, increasing trade, strengthening supply chains, boosting connectivity, 
laying foundations that will strengthen commerce and food security for people across multiple countries, Biden said. This is a game-changing regional investment and huge steps forward. So we're going to give more money to foreign countries to convince their corrupt leaders to do what we want instead of what China wants. We must preserve the liberal world order. The U.S. says the Belt and Road Initiative uses coercive lending practices for infrastructure projects in developing countries, an accusation Beijing has repeatedly denied. Biden's proposals on World Bank reform similarly aim to offer a better deal to emerging economies. So again, they're trying to control the other nations of the world through these so-called investments and financial manipulations while those other countries are trying to join BRICS because they don't want anything to do with this regime. CNN notes that Biden was trying to form a closer relationship with Vietnam, obviously as a proxy to balance China because they're about to lose their whole thing in Taiwan, or perhaps they already have. And then, of course, even CNN had to highlight the bit of audio I played earlier, because that's something so bad and disgraceful that it can't simply be ignored. They have to do damage control on something like that and provide a story about what Biden really meant. They didn't bother mentioning the part about Biden saying that he was just following his orders, but they did note that the fake press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, stepped up to the mic to say, thank you, everybody. This ends the press conference. But not before Biden had taken his five questions and announced, I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm going to bed. So that version of reality is collapsing. That's not even mentioning anything about the condition of the country under Joe Biden's supposed presidency. And of course, it's not taking into account anything about his son's laptop, his career of corruption and criminality, the extent to which he has sold out the needs of the people he's ostensibly representing on behalf of corporations and adversarial foreign governments on behalf of this global regime agenda. It's not taking into account the fact that he was mentored in politics for decades by a Klansman. And it's not taking into account, of course, the fact that he did not receive anywhere near 81 million real lawful American votes. But the regime can't very well admit all of that. So they pretend none of that is true. All of that is the stuff of the false reality. All of those things are conspiracy theories, even though all of them are completely obviously true. Hence the censorship, hence the propaganda. Now, that'll cover it up a little bit, and it'll distract some people. It will encourage the uniparty left villagers to continue claiming that Joe Biden is actually very successful, and they're all very happy, they're very proud of their decisions to go out and vote for him. And of course, whatever they do, they must find ways to justify and rationalize the fact that they continue to pretend Joe Biden really did get 81 million real lawful American votes. But it's not working so well, so they need to make some sort of change. Now, it can't be a jarring change. It can't be the sort of change where everyone just believes Joe Biden is actually really, really bad now. Let's see if all those people who've been lying to us have a new solution. This is not the sort of situation where they can just admit they were wrong 
and then just replace Joe Biden with something else, they need to lead into that. And that's what they've been doing for months now and potentially, honestly, much longer. And occasionally they will test various replacement options. They will essentially focus group them by suggesting them almost subliminally in the media. Joe Biden is spending his 9-11 today in Alaska for some reason. Over the weekend, Kamala Harris got all dressed up in her party clothes and was dancing to a Q-tip song at a backyard barbecue because she's so young and hip and, of course, black. So, you know, hip hop, right? Got to give the people what they expect. And apparently no one's worried that it will conjure up memories of when Kamala Harris was Montel Williams's side piece. Kamala Harris says she's ready to take over as president anytime. I mean, no one believes that, including Kamala Harris, of course, but she says it. Questions of the president's age often go hand in hand with questions about how you would step in the role, you know, if necessary. Do you feel prepared for that possibility? Uh, and serving as vice president prepared you for, for that job? Yes. Um, and how would you, you know, describe the, that, that process? Which like process? As far as, you know, being ready for that, that, for that. Well, first of all, let's, I'm answering your hypothetical. Um, but Joe Biden's going to be fine. So that is not going to come to fruition. But let us also understand that every vice president, every vice president, understands that when they take the oath, that they must be very clear about the responsibility they may have to take over the job of being president. I am no different. She's just answering a hypothetical. Joe Biden is going to be fine. And she is so, so ready. And the look on her face is also like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're asking me that question. I thought I told you guys specifically not to ask that and put me on the spot about that. But now that you're asking, of course I'm ready. <laughs> Damn, that was so annoying. I even annoyed myself. So we got Kamala as a possible option. They mentioned people like Gretchen Whitmer and the communist Chris Christie in Illinois, J.B. Pritzker. And there are, of course, rumors about Big Mike, but it's not time for that yet. Right now, it's time for Gavin Newsom. He made an appearance on NBC's Meet the Press this weekend with Sleepy Eyes Chuck Todd, who is now going to finally have a chance to rest because his run at Meet the Press is ending. As you may have heard, after nine years and more than 430 broadcasts, today is my final Sunday in the moderator chair. To say that this has been the honor and privilege of my lifetime is an understatement. This is simply the pinnacle of political journalism and something my younger self never imagined. The pinnacle of political journalism. Chuck Todd has reached the mountaintop and at the top of the mountain, it was Chuck Todd. You have to love how the television burnishes the importance of the television. They just drill it into people's heads over time. This is the most important news show. And if it's the most important news show, that means it's the most truthful news show. Truth be told, watching Meet the Press is all anyone needs to understand what's really happening in the world. But as part of Chuck Todd's farewell tour, he needs to be part of Gavin Newsom's Hello Tour. Here is the corrupt and illegitimate governor of California. Let me start. It was about a year ago where right after the Dobbs decision, you very publicly, and I'll quote you, you're like, where's my party? Yeah. Where's the Democratic Party? Yeah. Where a year later, do you have that same sort of lack of 
focus and leadership that you, do you sense no, it nationally? The opposite. Uh, I think we're on message. Uh, we're getting back on the offense. We're on our feet. I think demonstrably uh, that proved itself, I'm not just asserting it on the basis of what happened in the midterms. We uh, outperformed, I think, our own quiet expectations, certainly punditry uh, that was sure. out there at the time. No, I think the party is in a much better place than it was back then. But uh, I, you know, I stand by what I said a year and a half ago. Uh, at a stress and frustration, I, I expressed not only that point of view, I tried to do something about it through the iteration of doing ads in other states and, right. and making a case. You think, the, you think things are better, in your opinion, because the party did something better or simply the public is just pushing back on this abortion decision and that is motivating well, I think voters. the abortion decision has obviously been galvanizing in that respect, and it's demonstrably so. I mean, you saw with Ohio mm-hmm. and what just happened. You're seeing it play out in large and small uh, venues, including the Wisconsin Supreme Court uh, race, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, look, it's obviously played an outsized role. But I think we're getting our feet under us. I think focus on democracy and freedom, uh, taking back the mantra of freedom, not submitting uh, to the other side that they own patriotism. Uh, the president's developing his message and strategy, and we have is the he, opportunity in the next few months. Do you Absolutely. feel like you see it? I mean, do you feel like you know what the second-term agenda is? I don't know about the second-term agenda because we're still regaling in the extraordinary success of the last few years of which we now get to apply the principles and advance Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of what has been asserted, meaning make real uh, the commitments we've made through these landmark legislative packages. Uh, But beyond that, I think the fundamental messaging has improved. The organized framework that the ads uh, that they've put out, the last five ads, I think have been spot on. And now we've got to go out and campaign. And I think you're going to see that over the next few months. Does anyone imagine that any of that represents a real world? Gavin Newsom's proof of success of these last few years, though he doesn't know what's going to happen in the second term, he has no idea about that second term agenda. It's so hard to say because who knows who the Democrat nominee will be. And of course, there's no reason for anybody to believe that there's actually going to be a second term for Biden or another term for Democrats in general. But these last few years, what accomplishments they have achieved. The proof of their success exists in the results of elections the majority of the country now knows to be stolen. Gavin Newsom is bragging about that because that is the uniparty narrative. That is also the narrative of the uniparty right. Donald Trump lost those elections last fall. Therefore, you cannot trust Trump to win. It wasn't the GOP establishment's failure to support any of the MAGA candidates. And of course, there was no discussion about the impact of election rigging and election fraud, despite the evidence, despite it taking days and weeks to get the results of these races. It was all MAGA's fault. It was all Trump's fault. There was no problem at all with the results as reported, even though, of course, the evidence continues to come out for people like Kerry Lake. And eventually, of course, for Trump. So Newsom reaffirms the legitimacy of our elections and uses that as the rationale on which to claim the country actually really supports the uniparty left and the agenda of the regime. In addition to the election results, well, they also have this backlash to the Dobbs decision that overturned Roe versus Wade. But there isn't really a backlash to that, except among the most diehard uniparty left communists. 
They claimed they would all be taking to the streets, but that didn't happen. No one showed up. And the only proof out there that they can point to to claim otherwise are, you guessed it, the reported results of obviously rigged elections, a rigged ballot measure vote in Kansas, a rigged election for a Supreme Court judge in Wisconsin, and an upcoming ballot measure that had been blocked in Ohio. They are using the reported results of elections most of the country now understands to be rigged and stolen as proof that there is a major backlash to the Dobbs decision and that the support for the Uniparty's agenda enacted under Democrats is somehow increasing. That is a total inversion within the false reality. All you have to understand is that our elections are rigged and stolen and every bit of that argument goes away. Every single bit of that argument is dependent on the reported results of our elections accurately reflecting the will and intent of the voters. And it's quite clear that's not the case. The entire argument goes away at that point. But let's listen to a little more from the Getty family's errand boy. Why do you think only 24 percent? of Americans want to see Biden run again. I, I don't, to me, the polls mean nothing until we get out there and we make our case. And we got to make our case. We got to focus on the issues and then obviously framework of contrast. You're well aware of how perception can become reality. Why perception do you think this perception is there? I'll leave it to more objective minds. I don't have that point of view. I'm very inspired by the masterclass of the last two and a half years. And I mean it. I mean, masterclass in terms of delivering results. And the results are demonstrable. The question you're asking is the challenging one is right. how do we mine the gap between performance, the substance and the results and that perception before it becomes reality? Clearly, it's reflected situationally in these polls. But that's the opportunity, the not the burden, the opportunity yeah. of being able to run on this record, the Biden record, uh, and to make the case to the American people over the next 18 months. So elections are real, but polls are not real. But then the polls are real, but it's not going to be that way forever. We're going to change that perception. But by the way, sleepy eyes, Chuck Todd, thank you for pointing out that only 24% of Democrats want to see Joe Biden run again. That leaves 76% that might be happy with me. Thank you for telling that to the entire nation. This is, after all, the pinnacle of American political news. Gavin Newsom just said out loud multiple times, he confirmed it, that Joe Biden has put on a master class in delivering results over the last couple years. That guy you heard in the audio earlier might sound like a guy who admits out loud that he is not in control of what he's doing. But that's just one of the later lessons from the masterclass. You don't learn that in the first hour. That's the sort of thing you only understand after a lifetime of political corruption. And naturally, those polls, they're not a problem. In fact, they're an opportunity. Gavin learned that from his Chinese sponsors. Did you think this is all just due to age? People just look at the ages and just think he's not vibrant. That wasn't the, that wasn't even on my mind. I'm not saying it's on your mind. I'm talking about with the voters. I don't know. I'll leave that. I don't know what it is. All I know is we have the opportunity to sell uh, remarkable accomplishments, and we get an opportunity to do that in a way that, frankly, we haven't in the past, and we need surround sound. 
we need to organize bottom up, not just top down. We can't just rely on the president to make that case alone. The party, the Democratic Party, goes back to your original question. The party itself, I think, needs to uh, be more muscular in terms of how we approach uh, that, uh, our role and responsibility at right. promoting that record. Now, I have no idea why there was a siren in the background of Meet the Press. I assume it's because they're in urban California. But we have yet another instance of the media inserting the desired narrative so that the potential Biden replacement, first Kamala, about having to maybe step in before the end of the term, and then Gavin being asked first about how few Democrats want Joe Biden to run again, and then whether or not that was due to Joe Biden's advanced age without the candidates themselves having to say it. Kamala Harris and Gavin Newsom cannot go out on television and say Joe Biden is too old. They can't say Joe Biden is doing a bad job. They can't say that Democrat voters may have good reason not to want this quote unquote president to run again. Doesn't that kind of tell you that maybe Gavin is lying when he claims that this fake administration has actually got this incredible record of accomplishment to run on? Democrat voters don't even believe that. They're not trying to give Joe Biden an extended vacation, thinking that he doesn't spend nearly enough time on the beach. Oh, yeah, he's done such a great job that he deserves to just vacation for the rest of his life. But that's what we're being fed because that's what the Uniparty needs. The Uniparty knows it has to get rid of Joe Biden. No one in the world a year from now is going to believe that Joe Biden could actually win an election, especially not with people's eyes on it. 2020 was hard enough and already more than two thirds of the country doesn't believe Joe Biden actually won. Everybody talks about how they got away with it and they covered it up. No, they didn't. If that was the case, no one would realize Instead, pretty much everybody knows Trump won. There are plenty of people who will still deny it for various reasons, but people understand that that election didn't work out right. There are more people today who understand that our elections are regularly rigged and stolen than the number who understood it right after the election of 2020. That means that the narrative and the collective belief is flowing in one direction, and it's not the one they want. They need to replace Joe Biden, but not only that, they need to make the argument that someone of that age should not be president so that they can go after Donald Trump for it. And this is true of the Uniparty left and the Uniparty right. The Ron DeSantis supporters online will show you that you can pay attention to them for an hour and you'll find out that Trump is just too old. I've mentioned this dynamic quite a few times right now. They are trying to set up a Gavin Newsom versus Rig de meatball contest. That's what it's supposed to look like. Gavin Newsom on one side, Ron DeSantis on the other side. Oh, they're going to battle it out. What debates they will have. In fact, they've already tried to schedule debates for these two men, even though one of them is destroying his entire career in a fake primary and the other one isn't quote unquote running at all. They tried to promote this narrative just a couple weeks ago. They were going to compare and contrast how these two totally opposing governors were going to handle hurricanes in their state. And that didn't work. But they can't give up because beyond that, there is only the abyss. Now, the Rob Disaster campaign 
has been going on for well over 10 months now. He officially announced four months ago, but there was a six month plus shadow campaign going on before that. And all his comms people online brought out their terrible arguments for Ron, each one of them. Somehow, amazingly, a combination of all three, stupid, dishonest, and immoral, every argument they made. And as a natural result, flowing from a state of being like that, they have taken the rising star of the GOP establishment and essentially ended his career. He is inexorably on a path to 0% support, and he has already accomplished about 75% of that task. But they can't give up on him completely because what's left? Well, they're trying to sell us other options. They had Glenn Youngkin, the so-called governor of Virginia, on for the hour on Fox News Sunday. They are trying to elevate him. They are seeing if the days of Glenn may well be upon us. And in order for Glenn to seem important heading into his big day on television, they ran Glowing reports about how Glenn pardoned a man named Scott Thomas Smith, who had been convicted of obstruction of justice and disorderly conduct after being forcibly removed from a school board meeting where he was taking the school board to task for their handling of his daughter's sexual assault by a boy in a skirt in the girls bathroom at a Loudoun County high school. Now, there is absolutely no justification for that man to have ever been arrested and something should have been done long before now, but it seems like they were saving it for Glenn's big moment. Why not kick off the days of Glenn like this, especially because it allows the uniparty right to attempt to draw a contrast with Trump in his handling of January 6th detainees as if Donald Trump is quote unquote still president. And as if those people on the uniparty right have any place to speak about any of that while they were all helping cover up the election fraud that led to Americans showing up at the Capitol on January 6th in the first place. All of these people are pretending that they are the saviors of all of those people who were there specifically to stand up to the uniparty. Now, you might remember that all of this was the basis for Glenn Youngkin's campaign for governor in Virginia in 2021. He ran on his DeSantis-esque uniparty right firm opposition to wokeness. For whatever reason, all of these people believe it is their highest calling, even though all of them are far more woke than MAGA and Donald Trump. And it's not even close. You also might remember that before Glenn Youngkin's quote unquote election, where he overcame the career Democrat Party Clinton stooge and political hack Terry McAuliffe, basically the Virginia model of Charlie Crist, who Ron just defeated by so much. I called that it would be a 51-49 win, the old Dominion style victory. Because the Uniparty needed a win by the Uniparty right to support the idea that the elections are not, in fact, stolen by Democrats. And to this day, standard issue villagers on the Uniparty left and the Uniparty right believe that is the claim that the Democrat Party steals elections. That's not the claim. The claim is that the Uniparty steals elections. 
They don't care if uniparty members have little R's next to their name or little D's next to their name. They assign them those letters in some states. They care about their hold on power as it is derived from the system of election rigging that they oversee. They care that the uniparty stays in power. Doesn't matter if they're red or blue or on the uniparty left or on the uniparty right. It only matters that the uniparty stays in power and that all of the people out there continue to believe in the legitimacy of the elections, because if no one fixes the elections, the uniparty stays in power forever. That's why they designed the system this way. Now, I'm glad that that man in Loudoun County got a pardon, but the timing is not a coincidence. And you got to wonder if Glenn could have done this earlier. Why didn't he? This was a perfect story to lead into the days of Glenn. Let's go ahead and put him on Fox News for an hour on Sunday and show the nation that he could be the next great hope for the uniparty right. The Donald Trump version of Trump light, Ron DeSantis, didn't work. The Obama version of Trump light seems like he might accidentally be playing for the wrong team. The Kamala Harris version of Trump light. Well, they're going to push her, but there's not a lot of appetite right now for globalist neocons. So why not try the Mitt Romney version of Trump light? And that's where we are now. You cannot have Biden versus Trump. We're told that the country doesn't want that. We have to move on. We have to move forward. That's what we're sold all the time. And to the extent that the country still believes what's on television, Some portion of the country probably does believe that the truly devout and degenerate communists don't like Joe Biden because they view him as a neocon and relative to them. I guess he is some of the uniparty left doesn't want Joe Biden because Joe Biden is embarrassing to them. And ultimately, they know that he is corrupt and didn't win. They want someone else in there so they don't have to face those facts. But it can't be Robert F. Kennedy Jr. It can't be him because he's a conspiracy theorist. At the same time, the uniparty right, they have to get rid of Donald Trump. And they're running out of arguments that would justify something like that. So they're just going to keep pushing these lines. Look, we got to get over Joe Biden. But at the same time, we also got to get over Donald Trump. We just can't have this thing again. We just can't have it. We just can't have it. Doesn't matter that Donald Trump kept us out of wars and had a booming economy. Our feelings were hurt the entire time, and that's just not going to work for us. Ultimately, their feelings are the most important, and you can ask them when they vote why they voted, and they will tell you, I just can't get behind a man like Donald Trump. I know that I am smart and courageous. I have the strength to make the important decisions, and Donald Trump is none of those things. Therefore, I'm going to judge him on all of those qualities so that I can feel better about myself. And I'm going to make a much more mature decision because I am a mature, very serious, very adult intellectual. Consider the total inversion within the false reality that would lead someone to believe that their emotional reaction to the TV's portrayal of a person is a smart and justifiable metric upon which to choose a president. But that's where we are. It can't be Biden, so it also can't be Trump. And the uniparty left and right get to come together in agreement that both of these men are no good. This is the compromise they make to each other. Hey, if you guys get rid of Joe Biden, 
we'll get rid of Donald Trump, and then we can just battle it out with our guys. This is really what they're going for. Now, a bunch of these uniparty right candidates went to a college football game this weekend, Iowa and Iowa State. And there were all sorts of videos and pictures coming out to give us a sense of the response to the various candidates. Now, Donald Trump went there and was greeted as a conquering hero. Just hundreds, maybe thousands of people cheering for him as he walked around the stadium. There was a picture that went viral of some man with both arms raised in the air, giving Trump the middle finger double fisted while Trump was behind the glass of one of the luxury boxes at the stadium. And all of the rigged meatball supporters sent this wide around the Internet, despite the fact that it's not a real picture. There are other pictures taken of that man from farther away. The picture that's going around makes it look like that man is about three feet in front of Donald Trump flipping him off. But instead, he's like 15 rows down from that box and clearly flipping off people who are standing on a walkway above the box that Trump is in, all of whom are dressed in black as fans of the University of Iowa. The man flipping them off is in maroon because he's a supporter of Iowa State. But again, reality doesn't benefit the narrative of these people, so they don't care that the picture doesn't at all show what they're claiming it shows. There is video of Ron walking around this little tent with his stream of never back down supporters behind him, all 30 or 40 of them. And then you have Donald Trump walking through a stadium concourse with his security detail in tow and raucous cheering from everyone who's witnessing it. One would think that if the stadium full of people actually disliked Donald Trump, something like that would not be possible. And if they really loved Ron, we would see videos proving that to be true. Instead, it's the complete and total opposite. You can actually hear a woman on the video of Ron walking through this tent area saying, this is what stupid looks like. Now, people have a tendency to dismiss this sort of thing and say, well, they're just at a football game. Nobody really cares. It's not like a big, important decision. Hey, bro, let's focus on policy. Yeah, well, sure. Okay, let's totally focus on policy and pretend that none of this reflects what's happening in the real world. Let's pretend that optics like this don't matter. Of course, if optics like this don't matter, why is Ron DeSantis even there? Trump understands that the optics matter, and Ron's entire team has spent the weekend trying to create a fictional world where the optics were actually better for Ron. Of course, that didn't work because there's not really anyone out there who's still supporting Ron. All of these Ron DeSantis supporters online, when they are doing this stuff, they get massively ratioed. Now, if you don't know what it is to get ratioed, it means that there are more replies to your post than likes on your post and that the replies are negative. So if you put up a post supporting Ron DeSantis and going after Donald Trump and representing a fictional reality like this, and the post gets a thousand likes and 1,500 angry comments calling the poster a liar and a fraud and a traitor, it's very, very easy to see who most people support. And this happens all the time. All of Ron's online supporters routinely get ratioed to the moon. 
And worse than that, of course, is the fact that they are still posting this picture, despite people knowing already that the picture itself is quite obviously misleading, if not actually doctored. But Trump didn't just attend the game. And I mentioned this during our live Devolution Power Hour on Saturday night, not only to draw out the contrast with Donald Trump's competitors, but also to draw out the contrast between the Uniparty's narrative about these indictments and the fact that the indictments are total bullshit. It's interesting that Trump is like so indicted and he's <laughs> he's also at a college football game today and like popping into a frat house, coming out and like flipping burgers to the cheers of thousands of people, throwing footballs just for fun. That's panic, Chris. But he's very, very indicted. I mean, honestly, can we focus on the real world out there? If Donald Trump is in grave danger as a result of these indictments, why is he just flying on his jet around to college football games, going into fraternity houses, coming out, helping people barbecue, and then chucking footballs around to the cheering crowd? Does he seem concerned? Of course not. And do all those people out there, including those young people, those college kids, do they all hate Donald Trump? No, they sure don't. Isn't that strange? And I have no doubt, by the way, that there are some college kids at Iowa State and Iowa and probably every other college in the country who genuinely do hate Donald Trump because of what they've seen on television. And I would just ask you to consider for a moment the mindset of people like that who get to witness all of their classmates cheering loudly for the man they hate. You got to remember, all these people think that they represent a massive and dominant majority and that Trump support in the country. Oh, it's just this delusional fringe, which represents like, I don't know, 20 or 30 percent of the country. Like maybe it's half the Republican Party, but the Republican Party is only like half of the U.S., so therefore, almost nobody supports Trump and they are all dumb people and white people and uneducated hicks. Well, no, sorry, commies, that's not true. And sorry, Ron people, it's not true. You've believed these things for eight years now that everybody hates Donald Trump, that Trump is stupid and weak and self-obsessed. He's reckless. All these things, they're not true. You get shown over and over again. That not only are they not true, but they can't be true and you don't care because you still want to seem smart and strong, courageous. Trump became president and was a good president. And that's not something you can do if you're a self-obsessed, reckless dummy. At some point, that whole narrative is going to collapse and disappear. In fact, for most people, it already has. So what does it mean for the people who still believe that? What does it mean for people to still get upset about Donald Trump's words and his tweets? Oh my God, he went after Kaylee McEnany. What does that even mean? Remember people getting upset about that? As if Kaylee McEnany was their wife or their little sister or something? Oh, but I know he's so immature. Oh, he's so immature. What we need is to get the adults back in the room. You know, those adults like Rigdy Meatball who don't even care. That Joe Biden is pretending to be president despite not getting anywhere near 81 million real lawful American votes. 
Ron DeSantis didn't do anything about that. And now he ignores it completely when he's not denying it. But I guess that's what you do if you're one of the adults in the room. In fact, doing what you're told by the Uniparty is how you become one of the adults in the room and not doing what you're told by the Uniparty is what gets you so punished. But these presidential primary political events are not the only examples of the false reality that has been opened before us. Yesterday on X, formerly Twitter, the journalist Glenn Greenwald tweeted an article from The Guardian with the headline, Lula says Putin can attend next year's G20 in Rio without fear of arrest. We don't need to go through this whole thing, but just a few paragraphs here. Vladimir Putin can attend next year's G20 summit in Rio de Janeiro without fear of arrest. The Brazilian president, Luis Inácio Lula da Silva, has said as he took leadership of the forum. Speaking at this year's meeting in Delhi, Lula, who has controversially tried to position himself as a peacemaker between Moscow and Kiev, said the Russian president would be welcome to attend the November 2024 event. What I can tell you is that if I'm Brazil's president and if he comes to Brazil, there's no reason he'll be arrested. The left winger told the Indian news group First Post. The International Criminal Court issued a warrant for Putin's arrest for alleged war crimes in March 2023, just over a year after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. As a signatory of the Rome Statute, Brazil is required to cooperate with ICC investigations and activities, which legal experts say includes arresting the court's targets. Putin skipped last month's BRICS summit in South Africa, a decision widely attributed to the fact that it has signed up to the same charter. Lula, however, indicated Putin would be welcome at the Rio summit, where he said visitors would find an atmosphere of peace. Challenged over the fact that Brazil was a signatory to the ICC charter, Lula replied he won't be arrested. Lula's policy of not taking a clear side in the Ukraine war, which has claimed tens of thousands of lives, has irked many Western leaders. Washington has accused him of uncritically parroting Russian and Chinese propaganda. Ukrainian officials have urged Lula to visit their countries to witness Russian aggression up close. Now, you'll remember that the CIA director under the illegitimate president, a man named William Burns, was traveling to Brazil to help fortify their election. And you'll remember that their machine based election produced an impossible outcome in the runoff between Lula and Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro was leading by a wide amount. And I said at that moment, this is going to end with a 51-49 Lula win. How do I do it? Oh, it's a mystery. And then there was a January 6th parallel staged in Brazil, just as it was staged in Washington, D.C. I have said many times that Lula is Brazil's Joe Biden. He was clearly installed and he clearly does not have much control because he is going against the needs of the global regime in nearly every scenario. Brazil obviously represents the B in BRICS, and despite Lula's complicity with the global regime, he is not helping out in the regime's proxy war in Ukraine. He is also going against the global regime and the International Criminal Court in refusing to arrest Vladimir Putin. Now, he also said, if I am president, which we can imagine as rhetorical, 
but it's not necessarily rhetorical. And regardless, it's an odd thing to put in there. What is Lula expecting to change between now and next fall? It's almost like the entire thing is fake. And I naturally pointed this out to Glenn Greenwald in his comments. I said it's like Lula isn't even in charge and is just Brazil's Joe Biden. Now, Glenn Greenwald, despite the fact that he may be slowly waking up, is still, for the most part, a standard issue leftist villager. He is unwilling to understand or accept that the world as it actually exists is not the world as he believes it exists. He wrote back, this is very consistent with Lula's decades long foreign policy views about wanting independence from the U.S. on the foreign policy stage, as well as his broad scale attempt to resolve rather than fuel foreign wars. He hasn't involved Brazil in any wars, quite unlike Biden. And naturally, Glenn Greenwald was unable to parse what I was saying, and it was not going to be worth explaining any of this to him. I was just trying to cause the cognitive dissonance that I did in fact cause. If Lula is not in control, and he certainly is not, he is illegitimate, he is installed, no matter who controls him, he did not go out and win a legitimate election and achieve a governing mandate based on the consent of the people. So he is not governing for the people of Brazil. These decisions are the enactments of someone else's commands. So it does not matter at all if this reflects Lula's history and his decades long foreign policy views. It has nothing to do with his goal of independence from the U.S. And it has nothing to do with wanting to resolve foreign wars. Lula does not have the ability or the wherewithal to stand up to the global regime if they put him in office. When you understand what's happening in the world, explanations like this make absolutely no sense. And that's the problem. I wrote, this isn't actually a refutation of what I just said. He's illegitimate, installed, and not in control. And Glenn Greenwald responded, who is in control of Brazil? To which I replied, also not a question that must be answered in order to understand Lula's illegitimacy and his parallels to Biden. And that is true. We don't have to cater to these people. We don't have to answer their questions on the terms they propose. I don't need to tell Glenn Greenwald who is in control of Lula to know that it's not Lula. We can speculate about the answers to these questions, but we should not assume that because we cannot prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is one party or another party, that we revert to this default explanation that itself cannot be true. We can be absolutely sure just using basic logic that Lula is not in control of what he's doing. The world simply does not operate that way. At the very, very minimum, Lula must be influenced by Russia and China, both partners in BRICS, and India, another partner in BRICS, who, as we discussed before, is not too wild about escalation in Ukraine. Is Lula under the control of the global regime? Is he under the control of a Trump-led sovereign alliance? Maybe, maybe, but he certainly can't just go out and defy Russia and China and India without their approval. Now he is defying the global regime and we are supposed to believe that he's doing it because he's just holding to his deeply held 
principles. And this is the problem with the normie villager mindset. These supposedly smart people cannot understand what's actually happening because they're so busy giving their intellectually approved of answers about all of this stuff. Glenn Greenwald thinks that his answer is irrefutable based on everything he knows, all of which is derived from the false reality. You do not need some wealth of expertise on the details here to understand why that's wrong. All you need is basic logic and an understanding of how the world works and most importantly, how power works. Here's how this article concludes. Lula, who has accused the U.S. of encouraging the conflict and refused to provide Kiev with weapons, defends what he calls his policy of neutrality, arguing that peace can be achieved only if some countries remain impartial. It's true that Russia invaded Ukraine without asking anyone <laughs> and that the U.S. invaded Iraq without asking anyone, Lula told First Post claiming Brazil was, quote, 100% opposed to the invasion of any country, which sounds exactly like that statement from the G20. Now, as we mentioned earlier, things are not going well in Ukraine. Even the American media is beginning to find a come down from the entire Ukrainian narrative. They're beginning to report about the corruption there. They're no longer asking the comedic actor Volodymyr Zelensky to sign their boobs. Zelensky just replaced the defense minister who himself is now under investigation for corruption. And hey, who knows what happened to that spring counteroffensive? I mean, spring summer counteroffensive. I mean, summer counteroffensive. Man, that's weird. What happened to that counteroffensive? I thought there was supposed to be some counteroffensive that was going to totally defeat the Russian military. They were going to kick Russia all the way back to Russia, and they were going to even take back Crimea. It's strange, though. None of that has happened. Absolutely none of that has happened. And the illegitimate president keeps sending money over to Ukraine. That's what we keep being told, at least. More money, more weapons. Oh, they're going to send F-16s. They're going to get there later this year, and we're going to train their pilots for a few months, even though it takes much, much longer than that to train their pilots. The planes require tons and tons of maintenance, and so they have to train the maintainers. And, you know, it turns out maybe they're not going to actually have those F-16s involved in any battles until the end of 2024 at the earliest. But, oh, man, the counteroffensive is going to begin any day now. Oh, wait, what's that? It already happened and didn't achieve any of its goals. That's right. In fact, I remember when all their war plans were leaked online. What is happening to that whole Ukraine thing? It sounds like an abject failure. But hey, at least the fake president reunified the NATO allies, right? What a big success that was. We are respected again on the world stage. And then on Friday, we were blessed with this absolute gem from CNN. How am I in this war? New Musk biography offers fresh details about the billionaire's Ukraine dilemma. Elon Musk secretly ordered his engineers to turn off his company's Starlink satellite communications network near the Crimean coast last year to disrupt a Ukrainian sneak attack on the Russian naval fleet, according to an excerpt adapted from Walter Isaacson's new biography of the eccentric billionaire titled Elon Musk. 
As Ukrainian submarine drones strapped with explosives approached the Russian fleet, they, quote, lost connectivity and washed ashore harmlessly, Isaacson writes. And you'll remember not too long ago, we heard a story about these submarine drones going and attacking a Russian ship. Musk's decision, which left Ukrainian officials begging him to turn the satellites back on, was driven by an acute fear that Russia would respond to a Ukrainian attack on Crimea with nuclear weapons, a fear driven home by Musk's conversations with senior Russian officials, according to Isaacson, whose new book is set to be released by Simon & Schuster on September 12th. Musk's concerns over a mini Pearl Harbor, as he put it, did not come to pass in Crimea. But the episode reveals the unique position Musk found himself in as the war in Ukraine unfolded. Whether intended or not, he had become a power broker U.S. officials couldn't ignore. Musk did not respond to CNN's request for comment before publication, but he did respond to the Isaacson book excerpt late Thursday on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter that he owns by asserting that the Starlink service provided by his company, SpaceX, was never active over Crimea and that the Ukrainian government made an emergency request to him to turn on the service. And here is that exchange on X. Isaacson writes, to clarify on the Starlink issue, the Ukrainians thought coverage was enabled all the way to Crimea, but it was not. They asked Musk to enable it for their drone sub attack on the Russian fleet. Musk did not enable it because he thought probably correctly that would cause a major war. Elon Musk responded in a quote tweet writing much appreciated Walter. The onus is meaningfully different if I refuse to act upon a request from Ukraine versus made a deliberate change to Starlink to thwart Ukraine. At no point did I or anyone at SpaceX promise coverage over Crimea. Moreover, our terms of service clearly prohibit Starlink for offensive military action, as we are a civilian system, so they were again asking for something that was expressly prohibited. Oh, yeah, it was going to violate the terms of service. I see. Offensive military action is basically on par with hate speech. Musk adds, SpaceX is building Starshield for the U.S. government, which is similar to, but much smaller than Starlink, as it will not have to handle millions of users. That system will be owned and controlled by the U.S. government. So he's building this system that the Defense Department, that the military, that the government can use, but it's not the system in place right now. The system in place right now is just civilian internet, and according to the terms of service, For this civilian internet provider, offensive military action is expressly prohibited. Now, consider all of that explanation relative to what we are told in this CNN article. As Ukrainian submarine drones strapped with explosives approached the Russian fleet, they, quote, lost connectivity and washed ashore harmlessly, Isaacson writes. So basically, the Ukrainian military, the proxy of the global regime in Ukraine that is being funded by the U.S., armed by the U.S., directed by the U.S., and being fed U.S. intelligence, basically took their phone too far away from the Bluetooth speaker. That's what we're being told. And all of this is supposed to make sense to people. But back to the article. There was an emergency request from government authorities to activate Starlink all the way to Sevastopol, 
Musk posted on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter that he owns. And just for the record, that is the second time that they used that exact phrase and wording in two straight paragraphs. The platform formerly known as Twitter that he owns. Sevastopol is a port city in Crimea. The obvious intent being to sink most of the Russian fleet at anchor. If I had agreed to their request, then SpaceX would be explicitly complicit in a major act of war and conflict escalation. The new book from Isaacson, the author of acclaimed biographies of Steve Jobs and Albert Einstein, provides fresh insights into Musk and how his existential dread of sparking a wider war drove him to spurn Ukrainian requests for Starlink systems they could use to attack the Russians. After Russia disrupted Ukraine's communication systems just before its full-scale invasion in February 2022, Musk agreed to provide Ukraine with millions of dollars of SpaceX-made Starlink satellite terminals, which became crucial to Ukraine's military operations. Even as cellular phone and internet networks had been destroyed, the Starlink terminals allowed Ukraine to fight and stay connected. But once Ukraine began to use Starlink terminals for offensive attacks against Russia, Musk started to second guess that decision. So wait a second. I thought it was expressly prohibited in the terms of service to use Starlink for offensive military attacks by state actors against state actors. But this is saying that Ukraine had begun to do it. So they violated the terms of service and then Elon Musk kicked them off the platform, essentially. Basically, like us, when we pointed out that it was obvious that masks don't work. Well, OK, but wait a second. This gets even more preposterous. How am I in this war? Musk asks Isaacson. Starlink was not meant to be involved in wars. It was so people can watch Netflix and chill and get online for school and do good, peaceful things, not drone strikes. And I mean, Elon Musk is hilarious. That's hilarious. Starlink was for Netflix and chill, for people to do good, peaceful things, not drone strikes. Musk was soon on the phone with President Joe Biden's National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Mark Milley, and the Russian ambassador to the U.S. to address anxieties from Washington, D.C. to Moscow, writes Isaacson. Meanwhile, Mikhailo Fedorov, a deputy prime minister of Ukraine, was pleading with Musk to restore connectivity for the submarine drones by telling Musk about their capabilities in a text message, according to Isaacson. I just want you, the person who is changing the world through technology, to know this, Fedorov told Musk. SpaceX did not reply to CNN's request for comment. Now, there's a bit of this article left, but I think it's worth it because this is not only quite informative, but also ridiculously funny in its utter absurdity. Musk, the CEO of electric car maker Tesla and private space exploration firm SpaceX, replied that he was impressed with the design of submarine drones, but that he wouldn't turn satellite coverage back on for Crimea because Ukraine, quote, is now going too far and inviting strategic defeat, according to Isaacson. So he was doing it to help Russia. He was doing it to avoid a nuclear war, and he's also doing it to help Ukraine. Okay, okay, and okay. The uncharted territory that Ukrainian and U.S. officials were in, relying on the charity of an unpredictable billionaire for battlefield communications, also led to a standoff over who would pay for the Starlink terminals last fall. SpaceX had spent 
tens of millions of its own money, sending the satellite equipment to Ukraine, according to Musk. And the company told the Pentagon that they wouldn't continue to foot the bill for the satellite gear, as CNN first reported last October. Wait, October? Isn't that right around the time this whole incident was said to have happened? And isn't that when people like Alexander Vindman were freaking out about Elon Musk taking over Twitter and then Elon Musk turning off the communications capabilities for Ukraine's military after having already supplied the communications infrastructure for Ukraine's military? Why didn't Ukraine's military have a communications infrastructure prior to being given Starlink by Elon Musk. All of this is just getting a bit hard to understand. Now, we know that it's one of the global regime's things to turn off communications for the citizens of countries. I wonder if that had anything to do with Elon Musk providing these Starlink satellites that he then turned off when they needed them the most. And isn't it strange that there was that massive freakout last year led by people like Alexander Vindman? basically about all of this, but they never mentioned any of these parts about how it thwarted their attack that was going to start a much, much bigger war. Gosh, it's so strange. It's like they're lying to us about something. After CNN's reporting, Musk reversed course, tweeting, the hell with it. We'll just keep funding Ukraine government for free. Gwyn Shotwell, Musk's president at SpaceX, was livid at Musk's reversal, according to Isaacson. The Pentagon had a $145 million check ready to hand to me, literally. Isaacson quotes Shotwell as saying, then Elon succumbed to the bullshit on Twitter and to the haters at the Pentagon who leaked the story. That's Gwyn Shotwell, the president of SpaceX. But SpaceX was eventually able to work out a deal with the U.S. and European governments to pay for another 100,000 new satellite dishes to Ukraine at the beginning of 2023, according to Isaacson. Wait, 100,000 new satellite dishes? That's a whole lot of Starlink receivers. Does each individual soldier get their own? Starlink's importance in the war hasn't waned. Last week, the U.S. and its Five Eyes allies accused Russian hackers of targeting Ukrainian commanders' battlefield communications. The Russians' malicious code was designed to intercept data sent to Starlink satellites, according to the Ukrainians. And that right there makes it sound like something horrible is about to come out, and they are preparing to blame it on Elon Musk and the Russians. It's worth noting that the fake president, Joe Biden, handed over all of the Five Eyes intelligence to China at the beginning of the conflict, and China handed all of that over to Russia at the beginning of the conflict. But we are meant to imagine that none of that affected the outcome of this war, and it sounds like soon we will be told it's all Elon's fault because he was colluding with Russia. Now let's take a second and just review something that Cash Patel said on Fox News at some point last year. When I was over at DOD, we gave this guy That's a That's Department of, of Defense. Uh, yeah, sorry. Or Dodd. Yeah. <laughs> he is doing some cool stuff yeah. in space and everything. He's doing a ton of stuff that you would think is so global. He is literally launching this thing called Satlink, which almost no one knows about, but he's been building for five years, wow. which is free Wi-Fi 
for the world. Which is amazing. The world. It's going to change everything. And, uh, and there again, no one's talking about, you think the Democrats would be championing this, like, oh, I can be in Central Sahara, Africa, and get Wi-Fi on my $3 million phone. Yeah. You know, but they're not. And if you've actually watched one of these satellite link uploads, it's like a string of pearls being dropped in the night sky. It's really cool. I mean, we're all paying for it. This is why he's so rich. The yeah. DOD's biggest like contractor is Elon Musk. That's right. Oh, very interesting. I just learned something. I did. I'll never get hired from him now. Can you edit that out? <laughs> now you gotta love Cash Patel because he speaks in a way that he drops all of these incredible nuggets of information into something that just seems fun and casual. And if you're not paying attention and you don't have ears to hear something like this. You might miss it completely. He's just joking around. He just said that Elon Musk is the Department of Defense's biggest contractor and that he is on the verge of providing free Internet for the entire world. And what else do we know about Elon Musk? Well, he has been somehow allowed to buy for $44 billion the most powerful information weapon in the history of mankind. The digital public square, Elon Musk has purchased that for $44 billion from billionaires already who were using it to shift financial markets, overthrow governments, and control the collective belief of humankind. He gave the billionaires $44 billion and they were like, yeah, sure, I guess we don't need that as much as we need $44 billion to add to our other billions of dollars. Then the guy is being paid by the DOD to set up free internet from the sky for the whole world. Then he has Tesla that's doing work on AI to create self-driving cars and a connected energy supply system throughout the entire country. New batteries and all these charging stations that are just going to be for electric cars and never for anything else. We're going to have electric cars everywhere, even though everybody by now knows that's not the case. He blasts rocket ships and satellites into outer space. He owns a company that digs massive tunnels and also makes flamethrowers, apparently. So that guy, who is the biggest contractor of the Defense Department and was so under Donald Trump, made his own decision as a private businessman to make the decision that prevented a Ukrainian attack on Russian ships that would have escalated the war and somehow is still the Defense Department's biggest contractor. Despite Joe Biden being a real, legitimate president who is the commander-in-chief of the military for real, uniting the NATO allies around Ukraine to defend the global regime's proxy state in Ukraine. That Joe Biden, the real legitimate president and commander in chief, has not removed Elon Musk's Defense Department funding or taken him off any of these projects. We are told that he quite literally went rogue and made his own decision as a private businessman that disrupted the proxy war in Ukraine and nothing was done. This is a year ago and nothing was done. The very real, very legitimate president didn't alert the country to the problem posed by this rogue businessman who was determining the course of world history while making jokes about Netflix. He didn't bother mentioning any of that while it is quite obvious that they all want Elon Musk destroyed for how he's handling Twitter. Now X, how is it possible? And of course, it's not possible. 
It makes absolutely no sense. These standard issue uniparty villagers online are going absolutely crazy, arguing the details of this complete and total fiction. And hey, maybe that conversation is worthwhile. Maybe at their level of retardation along this particular timeline, they need to have these discussions to understand that private businessmen may indeed acquire too much power at some point. Maybe that lesson needs to be learned by these standard issue villagers. I guess I'm ultimately glad that the discussion, that the conversation is happening, but that's not real. What's real is that if Joe Biden is president and commander in chief and some private businessman who's a defense department contractor is usurping presidential authority on military matters, something would have to be done. Something would have to change. That situation would not be sustainable. Elon Musk has more power than the president of the United States and the commander in chief of the U.S. military. That is what we are supposed to believe in order to swallow this story. And that, my friends, doesn't make any sense at all. And despite that, the standard issue villagers have not stopped pretending it's true because that's not their thing. They're not really capable of thinking for themselves. And because of that, they're not really capable of suggesting that the world may not be the way everyone watching TV thinks it is. There are, in fact, two realities. They just happen to live in the false one. In the empirical observable reality, Joe Biden and his counterparts are not in control. Joe Biden is not a legitimate president. He is not president in any real way, as I have said the entire time. It is shocking to me to be able to lay all of this out for three straight years and then hear from people. Well, yeah, okay, but there's no evidence. Really? All of this is evidence. This is absolutely evidence that Joe Biden is not wielding the power and authority of his ostensible office. Joe Biden is shot. He's gone. What they really mean is that the TV hasn't told us yet that you are correct. And the TV hasn't even told us that you're someone we're allowed to listen to. Therefore, all of these things that you say are just false. This is all a conspiracy theory from the dumb addled MAGA brain. Joe Biden is president. He's very, very with it. And despite people like Gavin Newsom and Big Mike and Kamala Harris suggesting that maybe Joe Biden's not that thing, he's still that thing. But if he's not that thing, then we need to change the paradigm completely. So we're going to give you a new Democrat and a new Republican, and you're just going to be satisfied with those. And that'll be our compromise reality. But there are no terms on which we will ever agree that Donald Trump is any part of the future in our reality. It just can't happen. We just can't allow it. Why not? Well, because if Donald Trump does that, then their whole reality falls apart. And if they begin to observe the empirical reality as it exists and begin to think logically inside their very tiny standard issue villager child brains, well, then the whole thing falls apart. And what are you supposed to say at that point? Mm, sorry, I guess. Now, before we go, I just want to add in Donald Trump's presidential statement from today about the 22-year anniversary of 9-11. No one who lived through the horror of the September 11th terrorist attacks 
can ever forget the agony and the anguish of that terrible day. It was a terrible day. The images of dark plumes of smoke billowing over lower Manhattan, the Pentagon, and a field of Pennsylvania, such a beautiful field, are seared into our minds forever. We will never forget. Today, on this solemn anniversary of those monstrous attacks, we remember the 2,977 precious souls who were savagely taken from us on that morning 22 years ago, leaving a void that can never be filled, can never be filled. No matter what happens, it can never be filled. We will say a prayer for each of the beautiful families they left behind whose pain is beyond comprehension. What they've gone through is not even believable. We honor the firefighters, the great New York PD, the police department, what great people they are. They are so great. And the Port Authority officers, the Virginia, D.C., and Pentagon police, and the military service members and other first responders, actually all over the country, they acted with supreme heroism, and they went to the site of the most heinous crime. They would leave other states far away and go to the World Trade Center site, the Pentagon. They'd go to Pennsylvania. Who in many cases gave their lives in the line of duty. God bless the memory of all of those who perished in the 9-11 attacks. We will never, ever forget. We will never forget you. We love you. God bless their families, and God bless America. Thank you. I will be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!